Welcome to the Verse by Verse podcast, a ministry of the Friendship Congregational Bible Church. I'm Richard Church, the teacher on Verse by Verse, and I'm glad you've joined with us today as we study together God's infallible word, verse by verse. Let's go to Mark 15, verse 1. It says, And straightway in the morning the chief priests held a consultation with the elders and scribes and the whole council, and bound Jesus and carried him away and delivered him to Pilate. And Pilate asked him, Art thou the king of the Jews? And he answering said unto him, Thou sayest it. And the chief priests accused him of many things, but he answered nothing. And Pilate asked him again, saying, Answerest thou nothing? Behold, how many things they witness against thee. But Jesus yet answered nothing, so that Pilate marveled. Now, this Pilate here, notice this is taking place in the morning. So they come and arrest Jesus in the garden at night after the, the Passover meal. Now we're, we're into the morning. And this is the same day that Christ is going to be crucified. Now, he's already been before the, the council, the chief priests, the, the elders, uh, and they've brought witnesses against him. And remember, they had some problems uh, finding the, the witnesses to be able to, to uh, justify putting him to death. But they use his own statement uh, where he says that uh, they ask him if he's the Christ, the son of the blessed. And back in uh, chapter 14, verse 62, he had said, I am, right? And they use that as the evidence against him. Now they bring him to Pilate. Now, the council were the, the Jewish elders. Uh, you know, they would have been rabbis and, and priests. Uh, the high priest presided over that Council, but Pilate here is a Roman. And it describes Pilate in, in the scripture, it describes him as being the governor of Judea. His actual Roman title was prefect. He was the prefect of Judea. And his main job as prefect uh, would have been to, to quell any kind of insurrection, to keep order. He, he was basically a, a military officer. And he, he would have had not, not some of the larger armies that maybe somebody of a higher rank might have had, but he would have had at, at the most probably about 3,000 soldiers at his disposal to, to police that area of Judea. And this pilot, we don't have a lot of historical information about him. Uh, in fact, for, for many years, not, you know, not Bible scholars, but secular scholars questioned whether Pilate even really existed because there wasn't a lot of evidence outside of the scripture of the person of Pilate. And they thought that he might be just more of a, more of a myth or a, or a legend uh, rather than a real person. Of course, understand that if, if you just believe your Bible, often you'll find yourself way out ahead of the you know, secular historians and, and that kind of thing, because time and time again, when they question the truth of the Bible, you know, as soon as more evidence is found, it shows that the Bible was right. And in the, uh, in the 1960s, there was a, a stone that's called the Pilate Stone 
that was found that, that had the name on it of Pontius Pilate and that he was the prefect of Judea. Now, again, if you believe the Bible, you don't necessarily need that kind of, of outside evidence to, to prove to you that the Bible is true, but it always does prove that the Bible is true. And, you know, the, the little information, historical information that we do have about Pontius Pilate um, shows that he was, he was really kind of, a, kind of a brutal man. And in fact, Pilate was often making mistakes with regard to how to deal with the Jewish people that were, in many ways, pushing them even into rebellion against Rome. Uh, for instance, when, when Pontius Pilate first came to Jerusalem, the, the prefects before him knew enough of, of Jewish custom to know that, that it was going to cause trouble if they came into the city of Jerusalem with all of the, the uh, graven images and things that were often a part of their military standards. And so they would have their, their soldiers remove the graven images from their standards before they went into the city. Uh, Pontius Pilate, what he did was he had the, the uh, soldiers bring the standards into the city at night when it was dark and nobody would notice. And the next day when it was light, the, the Jews see all of these graven images there and, and there was a, a protest against that. And Pilate's response was that he, he threatened after, after a period of days, there was kind of a five-day standoff uh, between these Jews who were protesting these, these uh, graven images there. And Pilate threatened to kill all of the protesters. And they stood their ground and they, they said they were willing to die. And Pilate backed down and uh, had them remove the, the images um, and the protesters won in that case. Um, in, a, in another instance, Pilate had some, some shields, these gold shields, put in the palace of King Herod. Now, remember, King Herod was a, he, he wasn't a Jew either. He was a, an Edomite, but he was sort of a puppet king uh, ruling over the Jews, but accountable to Rome. He wasn't a Roman like Pontius Pilate is, but uh, he, Herod was always trying to be much more careful. He was, he was certainly no more godly than what Pilate was, but he tried for political reasons to, to uh, be sensitive to the Jewish customs. But uh, Pilate had these gold shields put in, in Herod's palace, and these shields were dedicated in honor of, of the emperor Tiberius. And this time he didn't have the, the, you know, the images on the shields, but the Jews were still upset about it. In that case, the, the Jews sent word to Emperor Tiberius about Pilate complaining about this. And uh, uh, the result was that Tiberius, Tiberius wrote back and severely rebuked Pontius Pilate for his actions there. And, and Pilate was kind of worried that if, if these Jews were really to go, if they were to send a delegation there to the emperor, that the emperor would find out about a lot of other things that he had been doing there. And, uh, you know, he had to kind of, kind of tread lightly. There was another, also another in instance where he took money from the temple treasury in order to build an aqueduct. All right, now the temple treasury... Er, 
We've seen uh, how, how sensitive those Jewish leaders were about the treasury. Remember, they wouldn't take the money back from, from Judas because it was blood money to put into the treasury. Right? So this treasury was, was very much a, not just a, a matter of money, but it was a religious matter to them. And so, you know, to take money from the temple treasury and use it to build this aqueduct was a, a very offensive thing to them. Um, in, in that case, again, they, they protested and Pilate's response was he, he told them to gather all the Jews together and he was going to address them. But he had his own soldiers disguised as the people in, in among, among these people. And so they all came together uh, for him to address them. And he, at a certain point, gave the order and his men beat and, and killed just sort of at random there in the crowd. And, uh, you know, this is the kind of guy that Pontius Pilate was. In, in fact, eventually, Pilate was recalled to Rome. Uh, he, he had the Samaritans. You know, the Samaritans were people who had, who had intermarried between Jews and Gentiles. They had a religious system that was very similar to the Jews. But remember how Jesus had said to the Samaritan woman, uh, or rather the, the Samaritan woman had said to Jesus, that, you know, your fathers say we must worship at Jerusalem and our fathers say we worship in this mountain. Uh, the mountain where the Samaritans worshiped was called Mount Gerizim. And there was a, a point where there, were, there was a big group of Samaritans that were all going to go up to the top of Mount Gerizim as kind of a, kind of a, a pilgrimage there. And Pilate was worried because this was sort of a religious movement that was taking place and he wanted to, to put it down. And he wound up killing this, this uh, group of Samaritans. And other Samaritans sent word to Pilate's superiors and they sent word back to Rome and Pilate was, was recalled to Rome by Emperor Tiberius. Now, uh, what eventually happened with Pontius Pilate is that under Emperor Caligula, um, he, was, he was exiled to Gaul, and it's recorded that he committed suicide there uh, in Gaul. Gaul would be like, like modern-day France, all right, over into Western Europe. Uh, that would have been an area of, of barbarians. You, you, know, you didn't send somebody there to reward them. You sent somebody there to punish them. And he was sent there uh, in disgrace and committed suicide. Of course, some, you know, some of the legends have him committing suicide over guilt over the death of Christ. It doesn't appear that that was probably the case. But um, there's a lot of legends about, about Pontius Pilate. Um, in fact, there's a lot of different places that claim that he died there. And uh, he, he, uh, there were these different, different legends about what happened to his body. Uh, and in fact, somebody along the line kind of took all of these and put them together in one. And so they had Pontius Pilate, they had his, his body after his suicide being thrown in first to the Tiber River in Rome. But then they said that the waters rejected his body. And so then they took him into France and, and uh, they, they uh, threw his body into the Rhone River. And there again, the waters rejected it. And then eventually he was uh, thrown into a lake in Switzerland. And then the legend is that every Good Friday, he, he, he comes up out of the lake to wash his hands. Um, you know, so there's these legends about Pilate. You understand that kind of stuff is all just superstition. It doesn't really have anything to do with, with the scripture. 
But uh, Pontius Pilate here, that's who, that's who Christ is brought before. Uh, he's delivered here to Pilate. And Pilate is, is portrayed as being a, a reluctant participant in, here in the crucifixion of Christ. Now, that's probably not, again, we've seen Pilate could be very brutal. It's probably not that he has any sympathy for Jesus Christ. Um, it's, it's probably more that he's, you know, wondering what are going to be the political ramifications of this. But you see, he's, he's delivered there to Pilate. And, and really, Christ uh, has many of these different trials. He's already been before the council. Here he is before Pilate. And Pilate asks him, Mark gives a very brief account of, of what goes on here with Pilate. But Pilate asks him, art thou the king of the Jews? Now, what the Jews accuse him of here before Pilate, another one of Pilate's duties, besides just keeping order, was to collect the imperial tax or the tribute. And so, so one of the accusations that they would have brought uh, before Pilate was that, that he, was, he was telling people not to pay tribute to Caesar, right? And that would have been under Pilate's jurisdiction, and, and they accused him of being the king of the Jews or of claiming that he was the king of the Jews, uh, that, that he was setting himself up as a rival to Caesar. And Pilate, you see, asks him, art thou the king of the Jews? Now, when Jesus answers, uh, again, Christ had these ways of giving these subtle answers that, that often often meant a lot more than what he actually said. You see, he asked him, art thou the king of the Jews? And he answering said unto him, thou sayest it, right? He, he doesn't say yes or no. Um, what he says is, you say it. Now, that could be taken a lot of different ways. But of course, you understand Christ is the king of the Jews, right? He doesn't, he doesn't deny there that he's the king of the Jews. And, and essentially what he's saying is, even, even you are saying that. Uh, you know, he's, he's uh, acknowledging the truth uh, that he is the king of the Jews. And, and you see how the chief priest, it says they accused him of many things, but he answered nothing. Now, that's what we saw when he was before those priests. And here as well, uh, he answers nothing. Pilate, by the way, um, was one of the people who could appoint the high priest. Now, realize that under the law, it shows you how far Israel had departed from the law. Un under the law, originally, the high priest, that was a, a hereditary position, much like the king would have been. And whoever was next in line became the high priest, and they were high priest till the end of their life. But here at this time, the high priests were serving these, these terms, and it was either the, the prefect, which Pilate would have been, or uh, another Roman official was the legate of Syria uh, who would appoint the high priests. And so the high priest is, is in some ways beholden to Pilate here. Caiaphas, Pilate was the one who appointed Caiaphas as high priest and to preside over that council. You see, they, they come here and they bring these accusations and he won't answer. The only words that he says there here in Mark's account before Pilate is, Thou sayest it. And, and Pilate, Pilate 
isn't used to this. I mean, Pilate is used to somebody begging for mercy. He's used to somebody trying to plead their innocence. But you see in verse 4, Pilate asked him again, saying, Answerest thou nothing? Behold, how many things they witness against thee. But Jesus yet answered nothing, so that Pilate marveled. Uh, Pilate, Pilate marvels here at the, at the response of Christ or the lack of a response. Again, Christ is laying down his life here. He doesn't have to prove anything. He doesn't have to present any evidence in his own favor because he's the one laying down his life. Now, if you turn over to Luke chapter 23, uh, Luke records some things that Mark does not with regard to this whole affair. And in Luke's account, there is an additional hearing that Christ appears in before Herod. Now, Mark doesn't mention Herod, but Luke does. And if we read Luke's account, Luke chapter 23, verse 1, it says, The whole multitude of them arose and led him unto Pilate, and they began to accuse him, saying, We found this fellow perverting the nation and forbidding to give tribute to Caesar, saying that he himself is Christ a king. Now you see there's the specifics of their accusation. It's about tribute and about uh, him saying that he is a king in opposition to Caesar's rule. Verse 3, it says, Pilate asked him, saying, Art thou the king of the Jews? And he answered him and said, Thou sayest it. By the way, about this, this uh, accusation about forbidding to give tribute to Caesar, that is a blatantly false accusation. Because remember, when Christ was approached about that issue, he said, render unto Caesar that which is Caesar's. Uh, he, in, in some cases, provided miraculously for Peter to pay the tax. Remember, the, the tax money was in the, the mouth of the fish. All right. And so Christ always, everything we have recorded in Scripture, was that he told them to pay tax to Caesar. Right? But they accuse him here of forbidding to give tribute to Caesar. Um, and, and you see there his response when Pilate asks him, he says, thou sayest it. Verse four, then said Pilate to the chief priests and to the people, I find no fault in this man. And they were the more fierce saying, he stirreth up the people teaching throughout all Jewry, beginning from Galilee to this place. Now, if you notice verse six, here's where, where Luke gives some additional information. When Pilate heard of Galilee, he asked whether the man were a Galilean. And as soon as he knew that he belonged unto Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him to Herod, who himself also was at Jerusalem at that time. Now, uh, neither Pilate or Herod was at Jerusalem all the time. In fact, the, the Roman capital of Palestine was to the south of Jerusalem in Caesarea. Caesarea, a city named after Caesar himself. And, and that's where Pilate normally would have been. And that's often where, where Herod was, although Herod would have been in, in other places as well. Uh, but it's because of the, the Passover feast that these men are there at Jerusalem. Herod is there to, to give a show of keeping the Jewish traditions. Uh, Pilate is there to keep order because you have a, a, you know, a much larger number of people there than usual. Um, but Herod is there at Jerusalem at the same time. And Pilate sees an opportunity to give this problem to somebody else. I mean, here's somebody, the Jews, these Jewish leaders obviously want him condemned. Uh, Pilate can't really find any reason why he should be. And so he sees an opportunity just to, to give the problem to somebody else. And so he sends him to Herod. 
Now, Luke is the only one that records this additional hearing here before Herod. In verse 8, it says, When Herod saw Jesus, he was exceeding glad, for he was desirous to see him of a long season, because he had heard many things of him, and he hoped to have seen some miracle done by him. Now, you see how Herod approaches Jesus as just being kind of a, a, a curiosity. Uh, he'd heard about the miracles he did, and now he's glad. Here's, here's the man, and he hopes he can see him do a miracle. Right? Then he questioned him, questioned with him in many words, but he answered him nothing. And the chief priests and scribes stood and vehemently accused him. And Herod with his men of war set him at naught and mocked him and arrayed him in a gorgeous robe and sent him again to Pilate. And the same day Pilate and Herod were made friends together for before they were at enmity between themselves. Now, uh, here they, they become friends because of the, the respect that they're showing to one another's authority. Always, these kinds of arrangements were always kind of uneasy arrangements where you would have this Roman military ruler and then this, this man who's been set up as being the, uh, the king of the Israelites. These were always kind of un, uneasy relationships. But here... Herod, Herod views it as, a, as a, a favor that Pilate sends Jesus to him, and he sends Jesus back to Pilate, and the two of them become friends here because of their involvement in the crucifixion of Christ. And it, it just, you know, it just shows you that the disciples of Christ, you know, they had a, had a close relationship with one another because of their belief in Christ, but here these unbelievers become friends because of their, of their you know, unwillingness really to do anything to stop this crucifixion that's going to take place. They become friends in their unbelief. And you know, so, so realize that the unbelieving world, uh, there's, a, there's a unity in the unbelieving world when it comes to the person of Jesus Christ. And they will often unite together in friendship, in opposition to the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, much in the same way that believers in Christ have, have unity together because of their faith in him. Uh, realize that when you, when you read the book of Revelation, for instance, and it describes the nations of the world, they're coming together. Those nations are coming together in unity uh, against the person of the Lord Jesus Christ and realize that much of what's done in the, in the name of world peace and that kind of thing today is done in complete opposition to who the Lord Jesus Christ is, all right? And so, so you know, man's efforts to be at peace and, and have fellowship with one another uh, are done in opposition to who Christ is, where believers have that fellowship because of their faith in Christ. So, so you see there, those two men who had been at enmity before these things, now they become friends together. And in verse 13, it says in Pilate, uh, when he had called together the chief priests and rulers and the people, said unto them, Ye have brought this man unto me as one that perverteth the people. And behold, I, having examined him before you, have found no fault in this man, touching those things whereof ye accuse him. No, nor yet Herod, for I sent you to him, and lo, nothing worthy of death is done unto him. I will therefore chastise him and release him. Now, uh, you see here that, that uh, Pilate and Herod, neither one of them find anything worthy of death. 
in him. Now, the, the Jewish council, the, the way that Rome ruled over these other areas of the empire is most matters were left to local governments. So the, so the Jewish council made most decisions regarding the day-to-day affairs of, of governing Israel. All right, but they did not have the power under the Roman system to put someone to death. That was something that was reserved for Rome. That's why they have to bring him to Pilate. They can't, for them to, to just put him to death on their own would actually be a crime on their part in the eyes of Rome. And so they need Rome's approval here to, to put him to death. And you see, Pilate is very reluctant to do that. What Pilate wants to do is to uh, simply, simply beat him, uh, which you know, which he could do, that would be something that he would hope would appease them. And then to release him, Pilate doesn't really see any reason for the Lord Jesus Christ to be put to death. Um, but the, these, these Jewish leaders uh, have, to, have to take some additional action here to motivate Pilate. Now let's go back to our text in Mark chapter 15. Uh, You see it says in verse 7 that there was one named Barabbas, or sorry, look at verse 6. It says in Mark 15, verse 6, Now at that feast he released unto them one prisoner whomsoever they desired. Okay, now this uh, doesn't doesn't appear to have been a Roman custom. Uh, There isn't really any kind kind of Roman precedent for that. But it seems this was something probably that that, uh, had been a a long-standing tradition there among the Roman prefects that at the Feast of the Passover as a a show of mercy and and kindness to the people, they would release one of their prisoners, whoever they wanted released, okay? And you see verse 7, it says, There was one named Barabbas, which lay bound with them that had made insurrection with him who had committed murder in the insurrection. And the multitude, crying aloud, began to desire him to do as he had ever done unto them. But Pilate answered them, saying, Will ye that I release unto you the king of the Jews? Now, now Pilate, remember, Pilate asked Jesus, Art thou the king of the Jews? And he said, Thou sayest it. And Pilate, from here on, is going to refer to Jesus as the king of the Jews. Now, that doesn't mean that Pilate believes that he is the king of the Jews or thinks that he ought to be the king of the Jews. It's, a, it's sort of a mocking title that, that uh, he gives. In fact, in fact, the Jews even are upset with Pilate because of him using this title with reference to Jesus. But he asked them, Will you that I release unto you the king of the Jews? For he knew that the chief priests had delivered him for envy. Uh, you see that, that Pilate's able to see here what's going on. He's able to see that the chief priests, they don't really have any legitimate reason to have Jesus put to death, but that they envy the fact that people are following Jesus and that, and that Jesus, I mean, what we've seen all along is that he would point out their errors and they weren't used to somebody doing that and they didn't like somebody doing that, pointing out their error. They viewed themselves as being the final authorities. Uh, and so they have this great envy of Jesus, and Pilate is able to see that in how they've conducted themselves. And Pilate wants to release Jesus. Now, again, this may not be so much because he has some sympathy for Jesus, but uh, he, he may want to sort of put the priests in their place. 
see. Um, if, if he can release this Jesus who they so much want to kill, that kind of, kind of uh, lowers them down a notch, you know. But uh, you see it says that he knew that the chief priests had delivered him for envy. Verse 11, but the chief priests moved the people that he should rather release Barabbas unto them. And Pilate answered and said again unto them, What will ye then that I shall do unto him whom ye call the king of the Jews? And they cried out again, Crucify him. Then Pilate said unto them, Why, what evil hath he done? And they cried out the more exceedingly, Crucify him. And so Pilate, willing to content the people, released Barabbas unto them and delivered Jesus when he had scourged him to be crucified. You know, people will argue about who, who's to blame for the killing of Christ. Is it the Jews or the Romans? And the reality is Christ said no man took his life from him, but he laid it down of himself. And we see that whether he's before the Jews or before the Romans, he, um, he, he refuses to testify before them so that he will be put to death. Okay? And, and Pilate may be reluctant here, but that's probably more for selfish reasons than anything else. Uh, and, and you see, uh, here Pilate gives in to the will of the people. Hi, I'm Richard Church, the teacher here on Verse by Verse. I'm glad you've listened to our podcast today, and I would like to let you know that if you have any questions about anything you've heard here, you can contact me by email at richard at richardchurch.com or by telephone 608-339-9522. I also encourage you to check out our church website at www.friendshipbiblechurch.com. Thank you for joining us today, and our prayer is that this program would be a blessing to you in helping you to grow in your understanding of God's grace.